Fox Cats. Hello and welcome to Box Cutters episode 202 Smooth. World Championship. <laughs> that's that's my thing. That's my thing. I was going to say World Championship mini disc gun wrapping. <laughs> my name is Josh Canal. To my left, John Richards. Hello, listener. And to my right, trying desperately to get the mini disc to record. Brett Cropley. Good evening, viewers. You don't see much mini disc action these days. No, you don't. We have it as a as a redundancy, especially in the studio we're in uh, th- this week, because this uh, this studio at Triple R is cursed. It, it does have a tendency to just entirely wipe episodes and make us cry. It's cursed. I mean, Triple yeah. R, great. One of the We'd saints. You. One of the saints was strangled in this very studio. Oh, really? Which is funny because one of the stranglers was sainted. Hey, <laughs> hey off the top of my head, bam! Wow. <laughs> yeah. Boxcutters is all about television and bad 1980s <laughs> band puns. Oh, I'm more like uh, 70s I was going for, actually. But yeah, yeah, yeah I get your point. Stranglers are 80s? Well, I mean, 82 was Golden Brown, obviously. What a great song. Mm. Anyway. Was, I'm sure that was featured in a television show at some stage. Hey, speaking of television, that's what this show is all about, Boxcutters. Yes, it's episode 202. It does seem like nine months ago that we had our uh, 200th episode. Uh, that's just because things happen. Cup things day, happen. long weekend, last weekend. Yeah, cup day, and, uh, and and you know what? It's stinking hot in Melbourne right now, and we've come in here to do this show. Yeah, this air conditioning Horrible, horrible yeah. air conditioning, yeah. There's terrible air conditioning And you know, you know as well as I do that it's just a coin flip as to whether or not the air conditioning is that on. That was true. I'm actually quite surprised. <laughs> Also because it's hot. Who would have thought the air conditioning would be on in hot weather? At I know. We love almost, Tripler. Almost never happens. Still, great studios. <laughs> uh, in this episode... As long as people outside it are quiet. In this episode of Box Cutters, we're going to talk about a new show from the US called Community. Mm. Uh, we've got a Ray Watch. We've got a Quotes. We've got a Things You May Have Missed. We've got a discussion about uh, a, a talk that Kim Dalton gave the other day about content rules for internet television. He was at a uh, In his a capacity as ABC person or a, a fact uh, do you wanna, preview person? Do you want to talk about it now? Do you want to talk no. about it then? No, I'm, just, I'm, I'm curious which way. I know, but you're asking me a question, which involves Don't me then having, discussion. To, having to answer you. A, B. And then, uh, and then B, wasn't it? through the answer, we're going to end up in the discussion. Just wait. It's later on in the show. You're listening You'll hear to Passive Aggressive today <laughs> with Josh and Brett. In, uh, in one thing, we're going to leave you a note to tell you to take your bins in. <laughs> Are we? That's in a passive aggressive way. Okay. I was thinking, you know, passive aggressive. Yeah, would, would you mind? Oh. Would you mind taking the bin? Oh, just, yeah, I just noticed they were out. Would as long as it's got mind? a smiley face at the bottom. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and also, we've got a whole bunch of pork. In the meantime, though, let's kick things off with the Box Cutters News. <laughs> Brett Cropley, what's happening in the world of community television? In fantastic news for uh, community non-commercial television all across the nation, uh, it has been announced that they are to be given 
temporarily at least, uh, some spectrum on the digital uh, broadcasting. Ooh, this is great. This is a very exciting news. But when you say temporarily, uh, what they, 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 they might be able to go digital and then have to give it up? Uh, nobody's exactly sure what's going to happen, but I guess they figure that they've got fourteen years to fa- fourteen years, uh, four years, three years to faff about uh, and and actually find a proper solution uh, because they are uh, have resolved that they will provide the the uh, bandwidth as they call it in digital broadcast uh, through until twenty thirteen, which is when uh, the deadline is for all analog signal to be turned off for. TV in this country. Um, so, yeah, maybe they'll just be sent back to analogue and be told to turn off at that point. And we should say between Channel 31 just to, to, to stress exactly what that, that kind of means, at least in Australia. But can you explain, because I'm still confused, how is their bandwidth in the digital world? I thought digital was the, the, the magic ocean from which everything came. People like, just shout zeros and ones at you. Yeah, I mean, how, how is there, like, how does that work, the spectrum, when it comes to digital I'd broadcasting? Would, uh, I'm not exactly sure about the multiplexes for the TV stations, but um, each of each of those transmitters has a limited amount of bandwidth, uh, like on a on an ADSL connection. So if you've got an ADSL connection coming into your house and you've got four computers on your network, you share that that one limited amount of bandwidth. The same thing happens on those uh, transmitters With called the multiplexes, which right. are sending out the digital TV signals. Okay. That's uh, that's a lot more in depth than my answer, which was going to be magic, John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I would have also accepted that as an answer. <laughs> uh, so, uh, so the, the government's really screwed the pooch on uh, on this whole digital thing, though, haven't they? The, and the by way screwed th- the pooch, he means fucked a dog. <laughs> <laughs> it's true. It's true. What? That's, that's ex- it's, it's exactly what I mean. Uh, in in the way that it, they've it, taken so long to actually resolve this issue. Yeah, where, where the dog is is the digital bandwidth distribution, and they is the government. I'm yes. So sorry. Um, so it, it didn't it didn't get started off well uh, by the previous administration, uh, who were holding off for somebody to actually come in and start bidding on the uh, the uh, A licence, Channel A licence. Because well, uh, they... I mean, know, clearly, nobody wants to buy a media licence today. That's where, it, that's, that's where it fell into trouble to start with because they split it up into Channel A and Channel B. And Channel A uh, was going to be all the wonderful bandwidth that all the commercial networks and uh, ABC and SBS were going to get. And Channel B is what they were... Oh, no, 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 sorry, no, no. These, the are, these are separate channels. Oh. So this is on top of ABC, SBS, 7, 9 and 10. See, it's confusing. And we so talked about it every single <laughs> week for <laughs> about years and it's 900 still- weeks. So these would be for new players. Um, but uh, in the beginning, uh, when they first started talking about digital TV broadcast, uh, the, the government of the day uh, were actually looking not to upset the existing mainstream media uh, owners too much and so set it up so that new players would find it very difficult to get in at that point, um, which they very successfully did and uh, un- until now when uh, there is no money to be made in TV, it would seem, uh, and so nobody wants to buy it um, at this point when they would have been allowed to. Right. I do have $8.50. It's probably enough. You reckon that's enough? Yeah, probably Because I'd enough. love to run a TV station. What are the ongoing costs for running a TV station? Uh, we've got capital expenditure. So you've actually got to uh, get digital uh, cameras and... and why, why couldn't I just use the, uh, the, the built-in 
eyesight camera on my computer. From the hard-hitting documentary I once saw about it, I believe you just need ads from Spatula City, and oh, that's enough to keep you going. Spatula City, Spatula, Spatula City. City yeah. I've, got, I've got a wheel, and I've got some fish. <laughs> You think I could have a game show there, John? I think you could. You still haven't seen Vidya, have you? <laughs> no. Oh, it's so good. Of all of we Al Yankovic's movies, I think it's the best. <laughs> what else in news? What else you got? What did I see? I, him say, I saw him playing piano on some of, of old all of Michael footage. Richards movies. <laughs> I think it's probably the best. <laughs> what what TV show did he play piano on? Uh, I'm no, sure you're I thinking that just, just you're thinking of Paul was that a film? No, no, I'm I'm talking about Weird Al. No, no, you're always getting them confused. You're thinking of Vonda Shepard. Uh, no. I'm thinking uh, of Ronda Shepard. <laughs> no, I am. I'm seriously thinking about her right now. Hmm. How's that going for so that, uh, I think she's overrated. D- she went out with uh, Harrison Ford, yeah? The uh, TV stations <laughs> TV stations in Australia uh, are, uh, are putting too many ads in their primetime viewing. According to who? Commercial TV stations. Don't Acc- they have a, a, a carte according, blanche to... According to someone who wrote a letter into the Greek... <laughs> well, that's what I'm thinking. It's like, I mean, no, we, we'll say that. Uh, but- the, a, a Sunday Herald Sun survey uh, checked the ads between 7pm and 10pm over three weeks and found that stations were consistently going over the limits put on them by ACMA. Oh, right? look so, out. So ACMA say there can only be... 59 minutes of ads in an hour, and, and the network. But how do you define an ad? Well, see, How do you define is, a minute? How do you define an hour? Because this, 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 was, this uh, was something that they had on, on Media, Media Watch. Uh, there, um, apparently, some of these uh, networks are, uh, are putting maybe six minutes extra per hour of, so, of ads. So how much are they actually allowed then? How many, how many minutes are you allowed to have in an hour? You're speaking to me like I've read this. Because you just said, yeah, you know, there must be a number if you're down to it's, it's six uh, minutes more than that number. Uh, 13 minutes per hour of, is what you're permitted, of permitted non-program material. So they're playing up to 19 minutes an hour. Uh, yes. Oh, wait a minute. Of permitted non- so, non-program. So that's not of commercials. Because you've got, you've got this grey area where you can uh, have informationals about shows that are coming up on... Uh, the uh, on the channel, but what's happening there is that you've got a, a sponsor that's sponsoring tonight's uh, viewing brought to you by KFC or whatever. Oh, and so it's more of a KFC ad yeah. than it is the informational about coming up is another episode of Two and a Half Men. And, and it is just loophole after loophole after loophole. So now, now that the Herald Sun is actually getting on board and saying the TV networks are doing something that they shouldn't be doing, I think... Uh, I think now the people, they have the people behind them. Now there is maybe a chance that the networks will be uh, told to stand in a corner and not face around to the rest of the class until they've learnt their lesson. Do you wonder if uh, that may have something to do with the owner of the Herald Sun wanting to drive down the profitability of the existing uh, channels so that Can he you drive down the profitability of existing... Is that possible he, anymore? So, so he could perhaps come in and, and uh, pick up, uh, say, a, a poorly performing network for a lesser price but than... Is, aren't, aren't those on offer now anyway? I'm just, I'm just saying... <laughs> are you suggesting... Just further driving it Are down, you yeah. suggesting that... Uh, that the Herald Sun, that the Herald Sun would allow its uh, journalistic ethics to come into question by uh, being dictated to by their owner. Is that what you're saying, Brett? Because that could get you into a lot of trouble. I think Brett um, trying to imply that you could actually make a TV station cheaper than they currently are is, is you know, 
Because yeah, he's buying one for eight dollars fifty. Eight dollars <laughs> fifty. I, I am a little bit worried about the ongoing costs. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I've got, I've got, the, I've got what, the just the, camera. the finance uh, costs for that. Yeah, I don't want to have to buy their debt. No, that's the that that is the the biggest problem. And so clearly, they're trying to pay for all of this with advertising, uh, and assuming that all those non-program. Uh, things that I would call ads, but are not necessarily ads. They're sponsored program material or... So there like was that. some controversy earlier this year when uh, the 7 logo was suddenly the Cadbury purple coloured and, and every time you saw the, the little watermark in non-watermark form, uh, it would actually be a, Ca- a Cadbury ad. Yeah, and that's, so where, where does that... Uh, where do you draw the line? The important thing is it, it is about the viewers, what will the viewers accept and what won't they accept? Because any uh, any regulation from ACMA is just completely useless. We've discussed that. They'll come in and enforce it, won't they? They'll... Uh, they, they, ACMA squad. They will. They will They will come in and say, oh, did you do this? Well, and then they'll... You know, they won't necessarily wash your mouth out with soap and water, but they might tell you what soap looks like. <laughs> and uh, and point you to a tap, Acma Squad. <laughs> oh, I wish the pitch competition. Was I know Acma Squad. Acma it's S- good. Acma Squad. I totally. I would totally win with that. So with with uh, Acma, they're completely useless. But the viewers need to uh, really need to write letters of complaint to as many networks as they can if they're feeling like they're being given a bum steer. And if they're the not feeling like... the commercial networks um, are not conforming to their to the restrictions on their broadcast licence isn't about having to have complaints from the audience, is it? Well, they're not... The thing is, yeah, that would be fine. That, that would make perfect sense if ACMA would actually enforce some kind of punishment for exceeding these limits. But they don't. So ACMA's completely useless. The only thing that uh, that TV networks listen to are ratings. Ratings and advertisers want. And, uh, and those two things are going to be able to improve a network over time. The thing is, though, it's a, it's a waste of time for everybody because television is dying. John. Can I do some frivolous news? Yeah, please. You know, all the serious talk. Let's do frivolous news. And uh, David Tennant Watch. Ooh. David Tennant Watch. If you're a fan of the Scottish actor from Doctor Who, here are two bits of information for you. One is that uh, I know you're all thinking, what's he doing now? What's he doing next? According to The Hollywood Reporter, he's off to America to star in NBC's new Rex is Not Your Lawyer. Just a pilot at the moment. But Rex is Not Your Lawyer is a show about a Chicago attorney. Rex Alexander, see, names in the title, Mm. whose panic attacks force him to begin teaching his clients how to represent themselves in court. The showrunner is Barry Schindel, who was an executive producer on Castle, Numbers, and Law and Order. So, there's something I won't bother watching. So, so (laughs) there goes David Tennant's career. (laughs) Well, you know, but he'll probably get paid a lot of money compared to the UK. Um, And one of his final hurrahs as the Doctor, the new Doctor Who animated adventure, Dreamland, which has been uh, being discussed for a bit. It's a CGI animated piece which is going to be playing uh, on BBC Digital on their website and BBC Two. It's a bunch of six-minute episodes that make up a 45-minute story. The first promo trailer for that uh, first footage is now online, so you can go and see what a CGI David Tennant would look like. It's a bit freaky. It's a bit weird. 
So there you go. David Tennant, watch. <laughs> <laughs> and in other news, in, uh, in, in We Were Right, They Were Wrong news, which I, I'm always happy with, the New York Times reports that viewers watching time-shifted programming on DVRs are watching more ads than last year. Yeah, that is weird. I saw that story saying that the, uh, uh, people just don't know how to skip them or people don't bother skipping Pe- them. People don't bother. So the, they cite figures from Nielsen, which is the US ratings company, that uh, 46% of viewers 18 to 49 years old or uh, years of age, as they say in the football, mm. are watching the commercials during play bla- playback. Uh, that figure is up from the same time last year. And some networks are, are reporting huge increases in figures when DVRs are taken into account. Shows like uh, Fringe and Heroes both reported jumps of 22% in the three days following the airing. And Flash Forward gained 14%. Dollhouse had the same thing we talked about yeah. last year. Huge leap in, in Dollhouse figures. We watch things occasionally you know, recorded to forget that we're, we're watching recorded and, and just let the ads play. Like, Which is... Kind of yeah. Uh, which is what happens here, and and I found that really surprising uh, that people have kind of this this lack of ad skipping when ad skipping is is literally at their fingertips. But it's also interesting if you watch Mad Men series three of Mad Men. I think I read somewhere that basically they're now making up with their idea that it's being made for the DVDs which means that somebody is having to find where to put the ads later. I believe this is true. I might be making this up, but I read this somewhere. Just which means, say, it, say it with authority. Yeah. So the ad breaks are completely random. And if you're watching them as we are, you know, without the ads, they're really lurching leaps from scene to scene. Presumably on the DVD, they're going to have a fade from one to the other or something like that. But in order to put the ads in, they've, they've had to cut them quite abruptly. And so, in fact, watching it with ads would probably feel less... You know, disruptive than to watch it without at the moment where we're watching them, which is these weird jumps, which are you know, more disconcerting than probably having ads for Chico Rolls. Oh, I do like Chico Rolls. <laughs> Sorry, I, I missed all the substance of what you said, and now I'm just thinking about Chico Rolls. Because advertising doesn't work, though, Josh. I'm sure you know, you're know you aware that. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, Chico no. Rolls. But there, there's no way that advertising can affect you, Chico Rolls. Brett, don't you just love stuff that's like really deep fried and made of frozen vegetables and flour? Uh, uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> See, Brett, Brett cannot be swayed Cause, by advertising. Because, yeah, yeah, it's just c- completely oblivious. Uh, that three-day period that I mentioned uh, is important because the ads themselves in the US are rated for that extra time. So they actually do count how many people watch the ads. So they can actually tell if people are skipping past ads or watching can they? ads. Can they really tell? Apparently. Apparently they what, can. What, rated what? How? What? Chico rolls. They're rated. The ads themselves are rated. So the the, the people meters are actually counting who's still who's watching. Watching the ads, the ads and who's skipping right. the ads. Yeah. That's part of uh, the whole, yeah, now they use PVRs. They're one step away from becoming sentient and destroying us all. We'll talk about that later. <laughs> sure. Uh, speaking of uh, destroying us all, uh, no, not at all. <laughs> oh, go on. <laughs> John, so convincing. Go on, John Safran, uh, television aficionados may be aware, uh, actually set up a, a number of pilots a number of years ago. That must be like 12 oh, years ago. Easily. Now, yeah? easily. At least 10. At least 10 years ago. Um. Th- 
did uh, early early pilots of uh, the John Safran show where he uh, turned up with uh, remind me of his name Paxton. Oh, Shane. Sean Paxton, Shane, Shane Paxton, um, to, Ray to the front of Ray Martin's house God, to uh, is, start yeah, going through ago, through his uh, trash recycling, all that sort of stuff, and then was uh, was uh, confronted by Ray Martin himself, and uh, all of this was caught on tape, uh, including uh, a scene where Ray Martin was throttling uh, John Saffron. Thanks for that spoiler, Brett. Who hasn't wanted to throttle John Saffron? Anyway, go on. Go on. So what, what's happening with this? Um, well, after uh, a certain amount of uh, pressure was brought to uh, the ABC from the A Current Affair then host, um, the ABC promised that that would never go to air. Uh, now it's going to air. Uh, it's called The Lost Pilot, investigating TV presenter Ray Martin, and uh, it will be going to air as part of this summer schedule on ABC uh, is, TV. Is other, stuff, is other stuff like the... Uh, Save this animal uh, petition signing out front of Melbourne Town Hall. Part of it, there were some great stunts as part of uh, as, as part of that animal. pilot. I remember the uh, um, going to the abattoir and, and showing how to make how to make a pie. Was that? Oh, I don't. And I also the uh, the British American tobacco owning craft and how they were they were cross kind of pollinating. I'm looking, I'm looking forward to that. I think that that'll be fun, and it'll, it'll be good to see. I mean, this is. This was the first thing that John Safran did after Race Around the World. So uh, it'll be interesting to see how he was then and how he's matured, Mm. if he has at all. John. Southland, show that I didn't even like, but for some reason we just keep covering in the news. Um, We we mentioned it was cancelled. It's now uncancelled. It's been moved to... Well, NBC... Well, cancelled it. NBC cancelled it before the second series was even shown. That was the weird thing. But they had shot six apps. Yeah, they, they shot the second series, but then before it was actually aired, NBC announced it was cancelled. It's now moved to TNT, the Jellignike channel, which will not only be playing those six episodes, uh, so seven episodes, but also it has filmed six new ones as well. So if you were so a the fan entire of Southland, second season, there is now a second series. And there was there was talk when way. things were in doubt for Southland that uh, some other network may pick it up at that point. And so it has. So it goes to yeah. show that programs can can go on. They can live again, like Jesus. And that is the box cutters news. Man, there's some really bad radio shows on, but you know they're really, really bad when they have to be a podcast that, like, absolutely no, not even the shittiest community radio station in the world can play them, and they have to do a podcast. Helen? Oh, hi, I'm John Safran, and you're listening to Box Cutters. It's a podcast where all the winners are. (laughs) Yes, we are. Oh, yeah. And that's community. Oh, no, wait. So we, uh, we, we, uh, we, we were going to have a guest, and the guest didn't turn up. And so then we said, well, why don't we review, we review a show? And it was uh, like, oh, I've seen lots of episodes. I don't know who's seen other episodes. Have anyone seen it? And it turns out the show was Community. Yeah. And we've all seen some of it. Yes. I, I've managed to see oh, two. Seen- oh, yes, I've managed to see two this afternoon. Because, you know, it's this sudden last-minute change. So, yes, I, I've managed to now see two episodes. So my opinion will hold two-thirds the sway of a normal opinion. Uh, so- <laughs> Starring Joel McHale, who is from, uh, you might know him from The Soup on E. Uh, he's a stand-up comedian, very tall man. 
he uh, he plays a lawyer who has to go back to college because he never actually properly graduated. So he goes back to a community college uh, and kind of is hot for this girl and he's trying to get uh, into her pants and as part of that uh, scheme to get into her he starts a Spanish study group uh, and a, uh, a group of friendless wonders turn up for the Spanish study group and uh, and the whole thing was a ruse anyway and oh my god what is going to happen to this ragtag bunch of would-be community college students. It's curious, because from that description, it sounds awful. Doesn't it? Yeah. Doesn't If somebody came in and pitched that to me, yeah, I dreadful. would go, turn it around, walk it out the door, I don't want to smell that anymore. However, it's really bloody funny. It's a really funny half-hour sitcom uh, that also stars Chevy Chase. And again... Pitch that to me, and I will say, turn it around, walk it out the door. I don't want to smell really? him anymore. But He's he is fantastic in this. I, I've got to say, um, Josh did review this a few weeks back on the Outland Institute in the Rule of One segment that he sometimes does based on the first episode. And at the time, I smiled, I nodded politely. But yeah, I mean, <laughs> n- nothing about this concept actually appealed to me. I like the name. I, you know, I thought community college is a boring idea. The, you know, the character. I mean, I like the soup, but not enough to actually seek it out. I never watch it in hotels. And Chevy Chase, I'm not a fan of. And um, so, yeah, kind of sat down to watch it. And it's brilliant. It's so good. And it's also, I think, um, Chevy Chase's role, certainly in the first episode, was quite minor. The second episode, which I got to see a bit more. But it's it's much more an ensemble comedy, which I think works really well. Yes. And um, and I was reading that apparently they told Chevy Chase that, that he had to not be a smart ass in this here because his character is actually slightly pathetic. He has to be more... The, the brunt of the humour, which is kind of interesting that he's playing a much more background role than you would expect. Like much more Rodney ensemble. Dangerfield in Back to School. Or well, actually, it was reminding me a little bit of, uh, in news radio, Phil Hartman's character. Um, who, who, is, who thought he was really, really good, but was really quite pathetic. Yeah. And in fact, there's quite a bit of a news radio-y kind of feel to the whole thing. It is, it does balance everyone quite well. We've actually got a couple of, of audio clips. Can we play the one which is the whole group? Do you yes. have that? everybody I want to say something sit down you don't have to yell I appreciate your time you know what makes humans different from other animals feet no 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 my bears have feet we're the only species on earth that observes shark week sharks don't even observe shark week but we do for the same reason, I can pick up this pencil, tell you its name is Steve, and go like this. Oh. And part of you dies just a little bit on the inside because people can connect with anything. We can sympathize with a pencil, we can forgive a shark, and we can give Ben Affleck an Academy Award for screenwriting. Big mistake. People can find the good in just about anything but themselves. Look at me. It's clear to all of you that I am awesome. But I can never admit that because that would make me an ass. But what I can do is see what makes Annie awesome. She's driven. We need driven people or the lights go out and the ice cream melts. And Pierce, we need guys like Pierce. This guy has wisdom to offer. The Dalai Lama and I... We should listen to him sometime. We wouldn't regret it. And Shirley. Shirley has earned our respect. Not as a wife, not as a mother, but as a woman. And don't test her on that, because that thing about the jukebox was way too specific to be improvised. And Troy, 
Who cares if Troy thinks he's all that? Maybe he is. Do you think astronauts go to the moon because they hate oxygen? No, they're trying to impress their high school's prom king. And Abed. Abed's a shaman. You ask him to pass the salt, he gives you a bowl of soup. Because you know what? Soup is better. Abed is better. You are all better than you think you are. You are just designed not to believe it when you hear it from yourself. Soup? I want you to look to the person to your left. Sorry, look at the person sitting next to you. Look at her, okay. Yeah. I want you to extend to that person the same compassion that you extend to Sharks, Pencils, and Ben Affleck. I want you to say to that person, I forgive you. I forgive you. I forgive you. You've just stopped being a study group. You've become something unstoppable. I hereby pronounce you a community. Oh, that's nice. This isn't like Breakfast Club anymore. Uh, now it's like stripes or meatballs, anything with Bill Murray, really. I agree with Abed yeah. that tonight has been very special. <laughs> <laughs> so that's, uh, that's, that's kind of a really good taste of, uh, of community. That's John McHale speaking there uh, and, and giving a great indication of what all the characters are like. And the writing but is still so on. sharp. It's... And, and still all an act uh, trying to impress the girl. To yes, there's also a reveal again. But it's, it's just so impressive. The writing in this is so sharp and so uh, nothing is extraneous. And there was a, one of the things Josh had mentioned before was the fact that we, any other sitcom would have in the pilot had a scene where he gets found out that his legal degree is not real and he has to go to school and the record scratch. I'm back at college. Yeah, and, and it doesn't do any of that. Like he actually says it in one sentence to John, Ol- John Oliver, curiously, is in this, the, you know, the English guy, you know, from The Daily Show. Mm. And it was, to me, it was such a thrill to not have to faff around for four minutes on that stuff and go, because that's the thing you do get told a lot in writing. It's like, oh no, you can't just have a character tell someone that. You have to have. You have, yeah. you have to show it. You have to show it. Show it, not tell it. And you're going, you know what? Telling it's actually a lot quicker. Well, it, and as an audience member, I'd rather you just got to the point. Be, because to tell it, it's not important. Yeah. It's, 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 it's actually not important, not important to, the, to the show because the show isn't about how they all got there. The show is about that they're all there. Mm. I wanted to mention too that that clip reminded me the pilot has these uh, endless references to The Breakfast Club. And at the very end, it was dedicated to John Hughes. Now, John Hughes, I, I presume, hadn't died when they started making this. He must have died uh, after they. He, I th- he died. He died before it went to air. Uh, but after it but was filmed. After it was filmed, which was kind of yeah, uh, I'm both touching because it is obviously a, a, a you know a, a tribute to John Hughes and the Breakfast Club in many ways as well. Dan Harmon, who created Community, uh, also uh, co-created the Sarah Silverman program, uh, and this is his first foray into. Uh, network commercial television. So, oh, Sarah Silverman's not network commercial. No, really. Brett, no. Uh, so, uh, I heard an interview with him uh, recently on uh, a podcast called The Business from KCRW in Santa Monica, California, uh, where he was talking about everything that he went through to get Community up at NBC and. Uh, uh, it was actually just a, a really interesting process of he had so many ideas, but one time he was like a, a a tutor or something at a community college, started talking about those times, and they said, well, bam, that's it. That's the story. It's one of the very few times that we hear a story about network executives actually getting it right. Uh, 30 Rock, though, had the same thing. Originally, 30 Rock was pitched as a, a cable news channel. Yes. And they went, no, 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 make it so they're not live. And she went, oh, yeah, okay. 
Um, they mentioned here that uh, Mikhail was hired because he's such a likable person. That they actually wanted to be able to make that character do very unsympathetic things, but they knew that if they put someone very likable playing him, it would allow them more leeway. And it is funny because if you stop and think about what he's doing in a lot of the episodes, it is actually quite reprehensible, but he's a likable guy. But down the track... Yeah, he does, and I'm, I'm forgetting which episode this is in, but he does get asked if, if it's a court-mandated thing that he has to look after these people. Um, and, and so he is in the position of coming in and, and saving the, the people in the community, in the group. So it, No, it, no, he made that up. In the first episode, he says that I'm, I'm a yeah, court-registered something or other. I'm a registered yeah. no, shooter, he, but he made that up. Yeah, uh, this may be episode four or five or six. Um, well, okay. where, where somebody that is involved with asks him that. That'd be a bit of retconning, I think, if they, if they, yeah, if they do that. Because uh, the, yeah, the, the first episode makes it quite clear that all he has to do is, is pass this course. And, so, and he spends a, a lot of the first couple of episodes uh, just trying to get, uh, try, trying to steal tests and cheat his way through this community college course. Uh, and, and none of that is actually important to the story like the- no but it is funny and we have that scene as well can we play the other clip please suppose i was to say to you it was possible to get those test answers i would say go for that and could have said so in a text i'm asking you if you know the difference between right and wrong i discovered at a very early age that if i talk long enough i could make anything right or wrong so either i'm god or truth is relative and in either case booyah oh Interesting. It's just the average person has a much harder time saying booyah to moral relativism. Duncan, you don't have to play shrink to protect your pride. I accept. You're chicken. Are you trying to use reverse psychology on a psychologist? No, I'm just using regular psychology on a spineless British twig. I'm a professor. You can't talk to me that way. A six-year-old girl could talk to you that way. <laughs> yes, because that would be adorable. No, because you're a five-year-old girl and there's a pecking order. <laughs> Fine, I'll do it. Thank you. Yeah, pleasure. Bye. Yes. Good. Why am I still shouting? I'm drawing attention to myself. <laughs> There's also something in this in this series where uh, their closing credits are just uh, usually it's it's just a kind of two hander. Troy and Arbed uh, are doing uh, just little things, little things that they would do while hanging out at college. And these are hilarious. There was one Spanish episode, beatboxing was the one I've yeah, seen, which is astonishing. One episode, it might be episode like three or four. That was a dud episode. It, it just it wasn't great. And they're not all killer episodes. I think that's that's important to state. But the end bit, not with, the Halloween one. I can't remember the the end bit with uh, Troy and Arbed was hilarious and redeemed the entire episode. Uh, so it is worth sticking to and uh, and checking out. I would say too. I don't think this is a series you're going to want to sit down and, and watch. You know, six episodes in a row. I think this is. You know, it's confectioned. Oh no, you definitely have. can. Really? Yes. Oh, okay. I was worried you might just find it because it is. Yeah, you know, it, it's it's not a deep program, which is actually part of the reason I really loved it. That it's just really funny and really nicely done, very well written. But I, yeah, I couldn't imagine sp- space it out. I would say you know, don't eat all the chocolates at one go. S- save them. I found this. I, I actually found this uh, as as digestible to uh, continue with the uh, the sweetie <laughs> metaphor um, as, as uh, say entourage what. So they're they're very quite uh, short episodes, and and you know if if you if somebody was coming to it a season in and had twenty two episodes to, to get through, you could very easily just sit there and go, oh, it's just it's only another twenty minutes. I'll have another one, 
and just before you know it, get through the whole thing. I think. Yeah, that, that bite size. It reminds me a lot of the uh, early days of Scrubs, uh, which is uh, in uh, in in future weeks we'll talk about the uh, new series from the creative scrubs called Cougar Town. Mm. Uh, but yeah, it's it, it has that kind of same fun, light, there's a there's a message here for everybody. Take it, leave it, doesn't matter. You had fun along the way. Uh, that's community. I, I'm trying to work out if it's showing anywhere in this country at the moment. It doesn't seem to be. Hello and welcome to Today Tonight. Soap and water. Hello and I'm Naomi Robson. Swearing. For the last three episodes, Hungry Beast ran a series of articles about drones. Uh, Are they still doing that? They ran it for three weeks. Why would you do three weeks worth of that story? Yeah. So we're talking about robot fighters for... Yeah, robots that are sent into battle situations like the Predator Spy Bomber. Uh, and in the articles, they spoke to an expert in the field, Peter W. Singer, not the Australian Peter Singer, uh, the uh, ethicist, but Peter W. Singer, who was, according, them? according to Hungry Beast, an advisor to Barack Obama. Doesn't say if he was an advisor to President Barack Obama, an advisor to Senator Barack Obama, advisor to uh, PTA member Barack Obama. It doesn't say what capacity... He was uh, the advisor to Barack Obama. It says, I think he was a, a defense advisor, but doesn't say at which point. Uh, he's written a book about drones recently. And uh, in the first week of the series, it, it really struck me that the report was heavily, very heavily one-sided. So much so that it felt like a Today Tonight current affair style scaremongering rather than resembling good journalism in at, any at way. At the risk of, of sounding like I'm, I'm getting judgmental, is this another Elmo Keep story? It, I think it, it does sound like a voiceover. Because cause that was yeah, my problem with those ones I did about the uh, Iraq War veterans, which I know we've argued on about before, but again, just a bit too today to ninety for me. And I'm wondering, is this... Is that going to be their shtick, is doing stories that, that could be on today tonight, but because they're on Hungry Beast, we're going to pretend that they're more serious than... I think, I think that... I, I, I don't know if that's shtick, though, or if it's just bad television. So you're saying the the, the segment's talking to the, the widow and, and Yeah, yeah. We, we had this yeah, argument we've, before, you've, you've had, yeah. We had this argument, yeah. I thought that was terrible. So it, was, it was quite, quite un... Uh, I, I thought uh, that was very, very... But we had this argument. You can go back. Go back a few weeks, people. Listen uh, to me and Brett have this argument. So, so a voiceover that may or may not be Elmo Keep uh, accompanies, no joke, scenes from Terminator 2. And it drew lines of comparison between Skynet and everything international military organizations are doing with robots. Skynet is the big company in Terminator that makes robots that end up killing people. And again, I say, if she's been taking clips from Electric Dreams, I think we all could have had a lot more fun. <laughs> so, weird science. Or weird science. Ooh. Ooh. Or Short Circuit. Or Short Circuit 2. Or Short Circuit 2. Nice which, software. Which Arbed has a poster of in his dorm room. <laughs> Not oh, Short Circuit. It all short circuit together, two. people. Um, anyway, so, so what? <laughs> so fear of robots is the clear message in this piece. And they only spoke to one expert. There are no opposing views. And this went on for three weeks. A couple of weeks before the first story aired, the ABC screened a documentary about an Australian roboticist in the US called... Uh, Rodney's Robot Revolution. And uh, the very least hung- the Hungry Beast team could do uh, to even pretend that this piece uh, 
was in any way even handed would be to speak to Rodney Brooks. Sorry, Rodney Brooks, who is the former head of the Massachusetts Institute of Technology, Computer Science and Artificial Intelligence Lab. So the MIT AI department. Yeah. Speak to the MIT guy, the guy who was head of MIT Robotics, for a counterpoint. Try that. Rather than just speaking to one guy who's recently written a book and might just be shilling that book, is what I'm saying, Hungry Beast. They, they started their series having a go at journalism outlets for doing, uh, for, for not doing, rather, the required research before actually reporting something. And, and yet a couple of weeks later, they engage in this one-sided melodrama. You can't have it both ways. How did they spread that out to three weeks then? What was the difference between parts one, two, and three? Uh, the difference was in part three, at the start of it, they announced that they were giving us the third part in an interview with P.W. Singer. So it was no longer, robots are going to destroy us all, be careful what you do with your toaster. It's now a very extended interview with some heavy editorial voiceover laid over some uh, Terminator 2 footage. I, I mean, really, it, they've never referred to it as an interview in the, in the previous two weeks. Mm-hmm. Uh, they can't really undo the damage that they did with this three-week tirade against robots. And robots are people too, aren't they? I just, I, I just think they're, uh, they, they really need to look at themselves. If, if they want to be young people making good television, you know, they're, they're kind of presenting themselves as a press gang for television. Uh, but, but this is just bad journalism, and there must have been a producer somewhere in all of that Andrew Denton juggernaut uh, who, who could say, well, hang on a second... It's a bit one-sided, but no, they, they didn't. I'm calling Raywatch on you, Hungry Beast. Raywatch. La, we really la, didn't need a, a thing for this. For this la, 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 I was going to count. I was going to count. I had it at least. I was going to count. We really didn't This comes from uh, New Zealand's Next Top Model. (sighs) Ah, yes, that show has travelled everywhere. The quote is, Arjo just had the most hoochie face. I thought, what the hell is that? And then the movement? What's happening there? What are you squatting for? I mean, you have to ask yourself those questions. (laughs) What? (laughs) I got nothing. What are you squatting for? You don't need to have anything. That's the end. Yeah, it's good. Yeah. Hey, this is James Talia, and you're listening to the spot where you can find out everything good, bad, and otherwise on your box. It's the box cutters. Things you may have missed. Things you might have seen. John Richards tells us what they might have been. Normally, I I don't do things you may have missed. I just do Just Don't Bother, which is the uh, terrible, terrible shows. I do have one of those coming up. But I thought today I'd tell you about something 
Good. Uh, called Micro Men. It's a BBC Four, so that's you know one of the obscure cable parts of the BBC telly movie that went to air on the eighth of October. So only about a month or so ago. Or digital. We're talking about one of the new digital, uh, digital BBC yeah, shows. So, yeah, so sorry. It's, it, it is, so it's like it's, Go or yeah, Seven Two. Yeah, or ABC Two. If you imagine ABC Two having two more, yeah, it's that. BBC Four, Micro Men, was a telemovie about the rise of the personal computer in the UK. It's ABC Six. ABC Six. So it was uh, based about Sir Clive Sinclair, who developed the ZX Spectrum, and Chris Curry, who was the man behind the BBC Micro, which I, we had those at my high school. I remember the BBC We had the Beeps. Yeah, yeah. yeah. The BBC computers, they were fantastic. Yeah, it actually mentioned in the documentary this idea that uh, everyone's pitching for the BBC licence because simply having a BBC logo on your computer will make it trustworthy. And and, and make it very good for doing logo. Uh, yes. So uh, I'm not sure they were great computers. Uh, great for using logo. <laughs> Alexander Armstrong, who you might know from... Move Arms- turtle. <laughs> Armstrong and Miller, the, the comedy uh, duo. Oh, yes. Alexander Armstrong played... Um, Played Clive Sinclair, Martin Freeman uh, from The Office and everything else in the world. Played Shawshank Redemption. Yep. Played Chris Curry. Uh, I'm going to give what? you uh, <laughs> just, just, just don't pay attention to it. Uh, we have an audio clip, so to give you an idea of what it was like, let's have a bit of a listen. Is this Martin Freeman doing the voiceover from Shawshank Redemption? <laughs> yes. <laughs> this is my vision: a computing device in every home in Britain. I was standing there with my foot in the door. What was I supposed to say? Don't come, because the computer I'm trying to sell you doesn't actually exist. Price is the key. Whatever happens, I want a computer that we can sell for the magic sum of £99. At that price, the man on the Kappa Omnibus will want one, even if he has absolutely no idea what to do with it. High-resolution graphics. Up to a massive 48K of RAM. Sound and full eight-colour capability. All available from £125. I give you the Sinclair ZX Spectrum. Why, why was he playing Gandalf? Well, that uh, this is yeah, what I want. I, I did find, yeah, look, I found um, Armstrong's performance a bit much, but then I did go and look at some YouTube clips of, of Clive Sinclair, and that's not far off what he sounds like. It's one of those weird things when someone is doing a pretty good impersonation, but they probably shouldn't have because it's slightly distracting. Uh, Play down a bit. The interesting thing about this is that it is—it's just factual. It's really just the early '80s, following the, the rise, and, and curiously, the fall. I didn't know there was actually a, a, a crash in computer sales in the UK as well. And it's almost all entirely factual. It does some interesting stuff of taking footage, interviews, real interviews from TV shows at the time and uh, placing the actors in you know, into the, the footage where, where kind of Sir Clive is. But right. yeah, so you actually get, it's all the real footage, it's the real presenters and the real sets, but you know, adding new people in. Um, it had a very low budget being a BBC4 production, but it hides it really well in the same way that if you guys saw Milk, the, the Gus Van Sant film, it uses an awful lot of archival footage to actually make the world feel a lot bigger than they can really show. Like, you don't sort of notice how small most of it is because you have all this footage from news reports and, and vox pops and all this sort of stuff in there for the time. Mm-hmm. And um, you're going to know, I think, whether you want to watch a telly movie about early computer technology or not. <laughs> um, but if you do, this was, I was really impressed by how well this was done, how, how economically it was done, but didn't feel cheap. Um, I didn't know much about the period, and so it's interesting that it, I still don't know whether Sinclair was important or not. I couldn't quite decide. I tried to do some reading afterwards. It seems to imply that he was the first person to really make 
the computer a commodity in every home. Um, but whether or not, you know, and, and the UK was ahead of the US in doing that at the time. I don't know if that's true or not, but it seems to imply that he was doing a lot of the stuff before other companies were quite making that leap. And it does finish off with uh, his his car, the Sinclair C5, which was the uh, single-person sort of tricycle bike thing. And just the footage of watching that is, is well worth it in itself. Has beautiful, beautiful voyeuristic shots of tech being used. If you want to see uh, old tape drives and, and people pressing F5 buttons and stuff, oh, a lot of, lot of you know, geek tech in there. Just kind of off, off the top of my head, I think the difference between the, the UK slash European computer scene and the American computer scene uh, with its apples and, and the like was the, the take-up of audio cassette tapes mm-hmm. um, for media storage uh, on those UK ones. So the Commodores, uh, I think, came from the from Germany and uh, the Beebs and, and the ZX. Um and they actually had radio shows when where they would broadcast oh, programs uh, out over the, the air, and they would say there was press a B- BBC record. TV show as well, apparently, where they would say, "Yeah, put your recorder up to the, the speaker of your television. We're about to play you a program and which you can record a- and play on your computer." Oh. And it's quite fascinating. That one of my favourite things in this is that uh, Sinclair is going about how um, people keep talking about using his computers for, for pointless things like you know not going to the bank or playing games it's not for that it's to change the world and then like you and the BBC guys are trying to make the computer that they want people to play games on there's a great scene where Martin Freeman goes into a shop and there's like a wall full of Sinclair you know uh, ZX games and there's nothing for the, there's like one tiny shelf down the bottom for the BBC Micro um, it is one of those shows where if you get annoyed at historical things where people make obviously knowing comments about what's going to happen in the future it does do a fair bit of that. Peter Davison plays a small role. There are some Doctor Who jokes, uh, so it does. It is a slightly, yeah, it's slightly too knowing, perhaps in places. But it's, oh, really, yeah, you, you think falsely. Well, you know, it was funny because uh, Mitchell and Webb did a sketch about this, about you know how writing drama is really easy, and they're going to write this one about. Um, about Thatcher and they've got all these scenes where she says things like a, oh I'm sorry Dennis I was just wondering if I might have a leadership challenge in 1990 <laughs> but I'm sure that could never happen <laughs> and, that, and that is exactly what this show it's that sort of thing which they're talking about you know the, Carol your, your, your room is such a mess it's like a jungle in there you know that sort of thing of and this show does do that to a degree but I really found this quite quite charming quite interesting I learned some stuff and, and it's it's great to see someone make television economically in and a way so that's still big is it on a par I'm not sure if you've seen it uh, with the the parts of Silicon Valley I haven't seen that or no. uh, a lower production like the production value is high or is it production value is pretty high Doctor Who yeah stuff? no 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 the production values are high because they they stick quite clearly to, to what they can afford and it's the use of, of so much stock footage at the time. So, in fact, in many ways, it's interesting just to watch things like uh, when they go to some guys are setting up a computer for the computer show, which is a television program at the time. They actually play the whole credits. Like, they do a lot of that sort of stuff. Show. Mm-hmm. And, and things like we just heard the ad for um, Sinclair doing his own ads. And basically, they just duplicate these ads in a lot of places. And, and there's a lot of interviews from telly. And it's just, in its way, just to watch the sets and the, the pacing of television from the time is interesting enough in itself. So, you know. I think it's, I, uh, it's worth a look. Can we get that on DVD? Uh, I believe it just went to air in October. I don't know if it's going to be released. Um, there may be problems with... I think a lot of the BBC4 stuff tends to vanish. But I'm sure it can be found if you look hard enough. And what's, what's it called? Just it's called Micro Men. It was originally going to be called Syntax Era... Which thankfully they changed that name because is in is I in uh, so syntax in the E R A so instead of like era like era like a time 
And I did find oh, a trailer. confusing. There's a BBC trailer. A bit of what we heard is actually cut from the BBC trailer, which originally had that name. And even the guy doing the voiceover can't say it properly. It reminded me of the rural Jura from, from 30 Rock. Rural Jura. Rural Jura. So he's going, um, that's all in syntax era. Syntax era. Oh, no. That's terrible. <laughs> so, um, so it's Micromed. So Micromed. Micromed, though, at least, because they were microcomputers, it's, it's slightly closer to what it might have been. Yes. This is Marie Cardi, and you are listening to that fluffy white cloud of goodness box cutters. <laughs> Stick it in the fire and eat it. <laughs> so last week, uh, Kim Dalton, who is ABC's head of television, was speaking at uh, a, a conference for Australian, New Zealand and Korean uh, broadband internet. Australian, New Zealand, yeah, and Korean. Korean. That's, That's a strange yeah. yeah. Yeah, I know. Uh, South Korean. And it doesn't say if he was speaking as... Like it's, it's not clear if he was speaking as Capacity ABC's is ABC employee head of television or, or as Freeview. And, uh, and you know, pe- people might say, oh, there's no conflict of interest there. But in this... In this uh, lecture that he was giving uh, to, you know, a guy from New Zealand and a guy from Korea, or so is my understanding, uh, he, he was basically talking about how there needs to be uh, some, some definite ruling on uh, content that will be allowed on television through the internet. Television content that will be allowed through the internet to stop people buying cheap overseas uh, material and playing it on uh, things like IPTV and, uh, and other... Stop which people? Well, it, 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 right. And why is that bad? <laughs> because that's going to eat away at Australian content and we will have no more Australian content. Which I, people is he talking I, I about that want to destroy so the Australian okay. content industry? Okay, this is a, this, this is a, a quote from the SMH... Uh, 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 where was it? Speaking at a broadband conference in New Zealand, Mr. Dalton said Australia was experiencing an explosion in the number of platforms, business models and technologies which can deliver TV services to viewers and that they posed significant risks to free-to-air TV and the Australian production industry. Uh, and then started talking about the uh, National Broadband Network and how that's, uh, how that's being rolled out and uh, and how there are a number of uh, hybrid IPTV ventures that are already planned for uh, for when the broadband network so is he asking for an australian content quota on on hulu esque services that might be run out of australia yes is that, that what he's that's, after that that's what he's after even though he also says Oh, but I don't, I don't think we should have a quota like we do for, for regular television. So he wants regulation, but he doesn't actually want a quota. He doesn't want to... This is my no, problem. No, I don't understand. Because that's... Yeah, I was trying to make sense of it. Going, well, a quota, maybe that's what he's going for like we have on TV. That's and not a bad is, thing. Maybe, okay. This is my problem with Kim Dalton because he is both the head of Freeview and the head of ABC TV. At his disposal as head of ABC TV, he has one of the best internet-based video services available in this country. Mm -hmm. iView is an amazing place. It is free to watch ABC programs from during the week, from uh, some special special things that are only on iView. 
uh, it, it's s- some amazing content, and the ABC are doing really well with that. As head of Freeview, though, he doesn't want services like iView that will be taking eyeballs away from television sets. But that's going to Surely happen. that's a paradox for him, and he sh- must uh, 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 not act in one of those capacities. You'd, you'd think. Yeah. And, and yet he's he's going... Overseas and speaking to uh, people at an internet conference, or a business internet conference. With Australians, New Zealanders, and, and, and Koreans. Koreans. We want to look uh, good for the Koreans. Also, Horsegate bolded. You know, it's like to, to now talk about, I'm worried that we're losing viewers to the internet. It's like, well, you, you have lost them. That happened. You know, it's like that. that's past tense now, Kim that, Dalton. That happened, and your head of a television department that, that is also... Helped. yes. That, that helped that, and also has not been hindered by it. Oh, but mm. be admittedly, least because of uh, how the ABC have treated it, but uh, the, the way that the commercials and SBS have treated their uh, scheduling and, and their abuse of uh, viewers being fans of shows and, and what they've had to do uh, to get around that. The, the, uh, the commercial networks have basically made their own bed, and, and so there is no uh, wonder that people aren't loyal to the net- networks anymore. And in, in a really great call to action, Dalton finishes with, uh, there's no question Australians want this sort of content. Really, he's talking about a delivery mechanism, but he, he's confusing it with content. He says, there's, there's no question Australians want this sort of content. I'm hesitant about promoting any particular solution. We need to have the discussion. Uh, I, I don't even understand where you went, because this is so vague. Everything he's saying is so vague. I want something, but not the thing that I currently have or the other thing which I'm currently building and in charge of, but a third thing that doesn't allow the other two things to thing, 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 thing. And at government, that point, government regulation, but no government interference. Yeah, and at that point, I'd, I'd start fading his mic out and i put on the carpenters. You know, it's like I just, <laughs> everyone could have lunch. We could meet the Koreans. It'd be a nicer day. Uh, the, uh, the, the head of Libya, Gaddafi, could, uh, could have a clearer speech about what he wanted. Uh, it, it's just, it, it really is bizarre, and he's never going to uh, be able to be a strong leader of either Freeview or the ABC uh, television department as long as he has both of those roles. Pick one or the other. If you, if How you did really... Dark Scott ever allow him to do both? I don't know. Isn't it moonlighting? As... As long as like like oh, Co- Courtney Gibson had to leave the ABC to go and work for a for a commercial production company, why why does Kim Dalton not have to do well, cause, the same? Because the ABC for a- the ABC are members of Freeview, whatever that is. How you become a member of a sticker, I still don't know. But mm. but they they are the ABC are members of that. The conflict of interest he- here is huge, and all it's going to do is bring down the quality of the short feature screenings that we have, be they on a traditional television set or on my computer via the internets. I mean, sometimes I get television delivered to me through a dump truck, comes to my house, the pipes get blocked. Yeah. Drops off a low 16 mil yeah. prints. 
Yeah, in, and then, in the tin cans that the BBC wiped in the 70s. Yeah, and then I put them on my internets. Dug and out watch from, from being road film. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tenth Planet episode four. The, the, house. the time to talk is over, Kim Dalton. There is no time to talk anymore. Just make shows, put them on in different ways. We'll choose how to watch them. Stop trying to dictate to us. And while you're at it, get off your conflict of interest high horse. Watch one thing. John Richards, if you were going to watch one thing this week, would it be more episodes of The Wire? Well, I've watched three. You know, so I've... I've, I've three reached, seasons? Uh, no, three Third episodes. season was really uh, good. I've reached the Cropley limit. I've yeah, reached three. It doesn't, doesn't work with I'm The Wire. I'm going to keep watching it. What do you yeah, mean the limit? You, yeah, the, the rule three. I'm saying the, you know... The rule. I've reached the, the Cropley rule. But we, we reviewed it many moons ago. Yeah, but I've watched three episodes. <laughs> yeah, but... but I'm, remember, fi- I'm finding the acting very good. I'm still waiting for that thing where I get hit by lightning and think it's the best show remember, in the world. Remember the, Josh, so remember the Josh Canal rule of watching The Wire? You've got to watch everything. You've got to watch just the first five episodes, first five seasons. Right, just the first five seasons. Just the first five yeah, seasons. Yeah, so far I'm going, look, great acting. I'm still not quite convinced why it has his reputation, but I'm sure that will come. But do the first five apps in one sitting... Right. Then you, I think you really get get involved in the world of... Anyway, more. the thing I, I was going to watch, I put down, was actually uh, Mitchell and Webb, because I realised, while well, we've talked about Peep Show, I don't think I've ever kind of talked about Mitchell and Webb, the... Um, that the, Mitchell and Webb look? Yes, the, oh. the sketch comedy programme. I love Mitchell and Webb sketches. Uh, they, they a, lo- a lot funnier than Peep Show. Oh, I, I love Peep Show oh, really? too, but yeah. Different. I, I love Peep Show, but I, I, I really enjoy the sketch shows. They do it on the radio too, still, which I really like. The fact that they From obviously just enjoy doing the sketches. Sound. Yes. Um, but I also forgot that uh, uh, that is what I've been watching, but also if you haven't watched Lovely Viewer, remember the Dead Set. The, hey! Oh, the, oh, hey. oh, oh, sorry. Oh, am I going into Cropley's <laughs> yeah. territory? Oh, in that, yeah, case, you, in you, that case, I'm sticking with Mitchell and Webb. Really? Because you actually wrote Addicted to Money Part 2. Yes. Oh, did I? See, yeah. I, don't, I don't know what I write in these things. I fill them in while I'm at work. And then I forget. So yeah, addicted to money part two. You could watch that. That's a documentary about <laughs> capitalism. You know that whole thing about one thing, yeah, yeah. John. Right, you just said three, you and one of them was bread. You could have just just read out what I'd said there, and then I could have agreed. <laughs> Brett, what's uh, what's your one thing if you're going to watch one thing this week? <sighs> now it's been uh, stepped on. Um, See, th- this is why we're only allowed one thing, John. You can't just come in and say, "Oh, I was a Mitchell Webb book." But if you've already seen that, it was, well, uh, no, because that's, that's what that's what Cropley does, I, and that's what I scream at him about. So I now forgot Dead Set was on, and I saw on Facebook today people talking about it. That's why oh. I just got reminded. SBS because surely one. you've watched it. Surely you've watched it by now. We reviewed it what four million years ago. You yeah, surely it you've, by now. you'd have watched Hasn't the Wire by now. In this country. Yeah, but, but, but no, nothing screens legally in this country anymore. You know? <laughs> the Wire does. Uh, it's true. Dead Set is on SBS One in the uh, 10 p.m. Monday night slot. Hopefully, you're listening to this or are aware of it uh, before uh, the first episode goes to air. And uh, I assume that'll be going over the next uh, six five. weeks. Well, I was it six episodes. It, it was five episodes, but the first episode was, was now long. Yeah, so it's, it was the length of six episodes, but in five weeks. So it's kind of that skins slash uh, like the the, the UK. Um, it works better as a feature, Dramedy. I think. So I don't know whether SBS will also then be repeating it. In, originally, it was played in the episodes and then repeated in one, edited together. I like an Lump. omnibus. Yeah, which which I actually think it works better simply because it's it's one big story. I mean, I watched it all in one go. But so apart from we re- recommend you turn down the lights and get ready to be scared. Oh, I loved her. Oh, she yeah. Was great. 
Yeah. Des is fantastic. It's really good. Mm. Hey, uh, I was going to say, because yeah. a couple of weeks ago I wrote this, but now the first episode, it was kind of in, in anticipation of 7-2 starting and them showing the first six episodes of What About Ryan, which is uh, the best first six episodes of a show that went way too long uh, and, uh, and then became nothing. the first six were good. The first six of What About Brian were great. Really enjoyable. I liked them. They were nice, simple. Kind of just made me feel good while I watched television. But then considering you've already kind of missed a large section of that first six episodes, let's just not talk about that. So it continues after the six, is that? It it, it continues after the six, but uh, they they change the story completely and get rid of characters and... Uh, and oh, it's just horrible. We, we we did talk about it on, on the show, but that's back when you were Ross. Mm-hmm. John. Mm. Yeah. Chuck's sister goes off and becomes his sister. Yeah. So I'm going to say, and we've said this before, but again, if I was going to watch one thing on television this week, John Safran's race relations. Mm. I'm loving it. I, I, think it's, I think it's really funny and clever. I think 7-2 should have called themselves Stay. That would have been good, wouldn't it? Oh, yeah. Because yeah, yeah. Go makes you want to leave. Yeah. But Stay, I'll make some cocoa. Exactly. Hey, um, when I cast my pod, it's with the box cutters in mind. Box cutters. Pod. Cast. Done. Pork is on the table. Ah, pork. How I've missed thee. I got some pork. Things that popped up as we were doing the show, which I've noted here. The IINET court case is currently underway, in which IINET is being charged for helping helping pirates. Not charged. Uh, accused of helping pirates. What are they being, they're being accused of something. They're, they're being, being sued for, no, well, yes, actually encouraging piracy. Or not stopping or the piracy or copyright. something. But one of the things they brought up uh, as part of the defence in the last week or so was that um, iView, which we just mentioned, that the ABC iView is unmeted on iNet's plans. So effectively you can watch as much iView as you want and it doesn't take a part of your download. It was interesting that that's what they're using as part of the their rationale for saying, look, we don't encourage piracy. In fact, we're encouraging people to legally watch content. Yeah, and I, I take advantage of that. I'm I, I'm with iinet, and I do watch ABC's uh, iView, and uh, I wish more networks would try to make arrangements with uh, with providers because if if they are going to be showing as much content on uh, on television as uh, sorry on on the internet as they are uh, then it's not fair that in order to watch that we have to uh, deal with our quotas mm. so it's interesting that iNet is using it as an example of of you know their public mindedness in allowing us to watch things from the NBC which i guess is in response to uh, who's who's suing them is it it's not the MPAA and uh, i think it was a consortium of of is that uh, in copyright there? holders I, I i could be wrong but i have this feeling it's actually individual copyright holders at People Channel Seven together. are in there. Mm-hmm. Disney. Um, so they were they were saying that uh, as part of their advertising campaign, uh, they actually had somebody on on the the TV saying that you can download shows and do all that sort of stuff. Which they were they were saying that was encouraging their users to pirate uh, TV content. Uh, but if their response is that no, we, we, well, we actually met. Yeah, and they've, they've also they talked about that the there is legal, but they've also said there's also legal downloading you can do. They've been yeah, pointing out that there, yeah. are, there are all sorts of you know, albums and shows and various things out there which are legally there for you. So Channel 7 at at all are are contending that uh, if anybody watches a TV show online then they must have uh, pirated it. Mm -hmm. 
erroneously. It's uh, it, it's it's one of the problems and of they course, have uh, making up their uh, pie in the sky just completely made up uh, numbers uh, numbers about oh we're losing billions and billions and mm. billions. One, one of the problems they have uh, in Canada with Rogers, which is one of the networks there. Uh, apparently, they uh, they do uh, cap you after a certain amount of time using peer to peer network. Uh, because peer-to-peer is traditionally uh, the way that people share uh, Linux illegal, distros, illegal files, but also Linux distros. But also peer-to-peer is how Skype works. Mm-hmm. And so uh, people who are on long Skype conversations, suddenly they... Uh, that's what happens after about half an hour of using Skype in Canada. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. Make it all free. That's what I say. And look, whilst on the international bent, mm. as we as we are, the other thing I wanted to mention, which you reminded me from Hungry Beast, was that there was a story that showed robots up. Robots are going to kill us robots all. Robots will kill us all. There was a story that showed up in a lot of New Zealand media, online media, newspapers and such recently, which I showed up a lot on Facebook, was that according to a BBC online survey, the New Zealand accent was considered the, the best or most trusted or most listable what? accent outside the UK beating um, Canada and Australia and America and all these others. Uh, following the Hungry Beast first episode, in which they made up a story about Sydney people being more gullible than Melbourne and everyone covering it, I decided to try and find the origin of that BBC online survey and story that all the New Zealand media were publishing recently. Can't find it. There is a thing... Murray came up with it. Well, there is a thing. There's a BBC site which has not been updated since 2005, which may have been where this is from, but exactly why it became a news story in the last few weeks uh, and was in, uh, covered, as far as I can see, only by New Zealand papers and one paper in India. I have no idea. So it's going to be interesting to see that, that Hungry Beast does at least allow you to start going, hmm, that doesn't seem right. And, uh, yeah, so it's taught us all something. Mm. I've, been, uh, uh, I've been watching East West 101 uh, a fair bit because now, now, that the, uh, now that the baseball has finished, World Series finished... Go Yankees! Uh, That's the, the World Series of North American teams. No, it's it's just called the World Series. It's just called the World Series. Leave it alone. Of course, yes. Once the Yankees won, there were people saying that Yankees are the world ch- world champions. No, they've just won the World Series. People it's like a grand final, That's like Miss Universe. It. No other planets. Yeah, a lot like that. Uh, so that's all over. So I've been able to catch up on a, a whole lot of television, including the uh, All Saints finale, which I just could have as easily never watched. Uh, but also, did you cry? Whole bunch of no. Did they come out of- the end and do their bows in front of the live studio audience? No. So <laughs> oh, that'd be brilliant! Yeah. Wouldn't that have been great if they'd done that? And the Queen or someone comes and shakes everyone's hands. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, congratulations on getting to a hundred, Vaughn. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and so, and so I've also been catching up on East West 101. Uh, the first three episodes have, have already gone to air. Of the second season. And I've noticed something uh, about this second season. It's the names of bit players in the, the, uh, in, in the stories. Yeah, small, small characters in the stories, just, you know, one episode each. Uh, in episode two, there was a human trafficker whose name was Nikolai Volkov. Nikolai Volkov was a what? wrestler... Uh, in in the WrestleMania, uh, you were around about the time of WrestleMania one. Oh. He used to be in a tag Iron team Sheik. with the Iron Sheik. Uh, so, so I noticed that, and then Andre the Giant. And then the next week, uh, there was a, an iced up murderer. 
uh, his name was Felix Madison, which is a combination of Felix Unger and Oscar Madison, the odd, the odd couple. couple. Someone is having a lot of fun writing names for East West 101, and I'm really enjoying watching it, you know, a, a little bit more in that same way that I love uh, when they uh, when they use fake names on Supernatural and I have to try and guess the reference in the same way that they had all of those references in Middleman. Mm. Which is the Middleman, uh, yeah, and the these, This is just a, a, t- a tiny little, hey, try this one on for size. I'm loving that. Thanks, East West 101. Yeah, nice. Yeah. Yeah. And that brings us to the end of Box Cutters, episode 202. I guess what we should just touch on is that uh, <laughs> we, haven't, we haven't forgotten about the pitch competition. Uh, we will be addressing it. Just for all those that addressing uh, it, all those all those thousands that very kind of formal. Yes, I presume what we're going to do is get all the pictures together and get someone in to to have a look at them, and we'll we'll go them. Th- I did. Them. I did have a yeah. thought uh, because I'm not sure we can bring in a real producer to have a look. Well, bring a fake producer, I, I, someone yeah. in a producer suit. Yeah. See, this is what I mean when I say, can you please work out the details of the competition before announcing them on the show? <laughs> I said maybe at the time. Can you please? Here's here's what I intend to do. I intend to get get them all together, get get all of the pictures together, yeah. and then hit someone across the face with it. Yeah. Look, I'm sure we'll find someone and we'll get them all together, sack? and we can we can chat no, no, about them. Maybe we'll pre-record no. it so we can cut the boring stuff. But it'll be good. It'll it, be good. N- not in, not in a sack. You, you hit someone across the face with them. That's a pitch slap. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Until next week, my name is Josh Canal. I'm John Richards. I continue to be Brett Cropley. Thanks for listening to Box Cutters. Catch us again next week. Same bat time. Yes, the same bat channel. And hey, let's be careful out there. Box Cutters thanks 3RRR, whose studios we use to record this podcast pretty much each and every week. Find them on the web at rrr.org.au or 102.7 FM if you're in the Melbourne metro area. If you enjoyed this podcast, please go onto the iTunes Music Store or anywhere else you find us and leave a review. It will help other people find Box Cutters and then they can enjoy it too. Email us at hooray at boxcutters.net or via SMS on 0458 288 837. That's 0458 Cutter. Hey John. Yeah. You know yeah. what I realized just just during during that bit just then. Right. So that now that we've talked about community and we talk about that end bit that happens during the credits yeah. where uh where something uh funny happens yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And, and how much I loved it. Yeah. And now it seems like we're just copying that. Yeah, but we've been copying that for ages. Oh, have we? Yeah. We always do this bit at the end. The unexpected funny bit at the end. Right. I think this is neither unexpected nor funny. Right. So how do, how do we make it unexpected and funny? Hi, this is Pete Smith. You've been listening to or have just missed Box Cutters.